So parents or grandparents, how many of you have ever caught yourself saying something like that to your kids or grandkids? Yeah, yeah. Stuff we thought we would never say, right? And we end up saying it to our own kids or grandkids. Did you see the title of this morning's message yet? It's in the message notes there. The title is How to Be a Great Parent. That was actually tongue-in-cheek. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that, all right? If you read that title and met that with some cynicism, um, well, join the club. You know, when they're first born, you take your very, you know, your firstborn, and maybe the very first time you are holding them in your arms, cradling them up against you, and you look down at that little child, and you had a feeling like you never thought you could love so much, someone as much as you love that little child, right? And you said to yourself, I am going to be the best parent ever. Everything that everybody else has done wrong, I'm not going to do. Everything my parents didn't do, I'm going to do. And we meant that when we said that. But then somewhere along the line, like when they turn two, (laughs) or six, or ten, or 13, or 16, or 18, or 21, or 41. We thought to ourselves, I didn't have a clue, right? Is there anything in the world more rewarding and more challenging than being a parent? If you're the parent of preschoolers, you're just trying to get them fed and get their diapers changed and clean up messes and get enough sleep, right? And you're thinking, will this ever end? Then they get to be teenagers and you go, what happened to my little boy or girl? You know, and then they get to be adults and you're in that very tricky phase you're trying to navigate where you're trying to balance to give them advice because you've had some life experiences and maybe you see the decisions they're making are going to end up in a certain place and you so want to tell them what to do and what not to do but you also don't want to ruin or damage your relationship with them or cause resentment and how do you navigate through all of that every stage or every phase of parenting has its challenges when our youngest son was just a little guy. My wife was looking out the kitchen window at him while he was playing in the backyard one day. And he just walked across the middle of the backyard and stopped right in the middle of the backyard, pulled down his pants, pulled down his underpants, both his ankles, of course, started going to the bathroom right in the middle of the backyard, to my wife's horror, while the neighbor lady who was next door in her backyard was looking on knowingly as if to say, yeah, I had a little boy once too. I mean, why did he do it? Who knows? Maybe it was just the most convenient thing to do. Maybe he waited too long. I don't know. But anyway, she called him up to the back door and she said to him, we don't go to the bathroom in the middle of the backyard. You come inside to do that. And with the sweetest, most innocent look, he looked at her and he said, Daddy does it. (laughs) Let's just say my wife and I had a conversation that evening. And what I told her was, hey, it's great to be a guy. No, I, didn't, I did not say that to her. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, well, in fact, can I, can I defend myself here for a minute? Okay, we, I was putting in a, I had just been putting in a basketball court and had, was putting in a concrete slab and was moving some dirt around and it had rained. And so while I was doing that, I had mud all over my boots. 
Well, rather than have to take my boots off and go inside, and I wasn't going to track mud all over the inside too, I just went out back, but I went behind a privacy fence and some pine trees on the other side so no one could see me. But apparently that didn't compute. And, and by the way, I didn't pull my pants down to my ankles either, okay? Just, <laughs> just, to, just to give you the rest of the rest of the story there. But you know, there are probably all sorts of parenting implications and principles from that story, like your kids kind of end up doing what you do, don't they? And another one, like your kids are always watching you. And another one, what you do in your backyard should stay in your backyard, but it hardly ever does. Well, just as soon as you teach them where to go to the bathroom and where not to go to the bathroom, another parenting challenge comes along, doesn't it? Well, I got good news for you. You're not alone. And you're also not a perfect parent. Your parents weren't perfect parents. Your kids are not going to be perfect parents either. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, I did a quick calculation. I think I have spoken on the topic of parenting well over 30 times now in about 30 years, which means I've spoken on it more than once a year. I feel just as hesitant to talk about this topic as I ever did. Because looking back, I, you know, I have adult children now, but I still second-guess myself. I still wish I had done some things differently. I still don't have all the answers. But what I love is that there is a book in the Bible, it's called Proverbs, that is written for parents and it shows us how to impart wisdom to our kids because it's actually, most of the book is actually written by a loving father who is trying his best to impart wisdom to his son. So it's written with a lot of passion, a lot of emotion. emotion. In fact, let me show you just one example. You, when you read these verses from Proverbs, you have to read the emotion in them. Here's Proverbs 3, verse 1, and it says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Do you feel the emotion of that verse? Well, last week... When we began this topic of parenting, Josh took a very specific topic and talked about discipline and did a great job with it. I thought the three principles he gave, and I told him that this week were really, really solid. We're spending some time to think about on the subject of discipline. Today, what I want to do is broaden our focus and look, we could say, at an overview of what Proverbs says about parenting in doing that with wisdom. What are the things we should do? And what I want to do, I want to sum up for you by giving four ingredients that the book of Proverbs in the Bible, these are ingredients that come from God, tell us about how to parent our kids or how to parent our grandkids. So let me start with the first ingredients, ingredient from Proverbs, which is this. Show them irrational love and affection. One of the greatest and most important contributions you can make to your kids is to convince them that they matter. They matter to you, and they matter to God. They are valuable. They are irreplaceable. Parents, don't understand or don't underestimate how much children crave to be loved, how much they crave to be valued. 
They want to be treasured, whether they tell you that or not. Listen, for example, to the words of Proverbs 4, verses 1 to 3. It says, my children, listen to your father. Listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment, for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions, for I too once was my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. Tenderly loved. One child development expert cites studies that indicate that people who grow up to become healthy, well-adjusted adults can almost always look back to at least one parent who loved them irrationally. People who perpetually struggle through life and do not become well-adjusted adults often cannot recall being unconditionally loved and treasured by either parent. And if you feel that way yourself, if you feel like you didn't have that, you can still find that love in your relationship with your heavenly Father. A word, a touch, a look. Kids need them all. And your words are so powerful. Jason, Jenny, you mean the world to me. I can't tell you how much I love you. Michael, I'm so proud that you are my son. Emma, if I could pick just one girl in the world to be mine, I'd pick you. Kids never get tired of hearing affirming words, even if they don't show it. Proverbs 3.12 is actually a verse that's written on discipline. But it's fascinating to read what the last part of the verse says. Here's what it says, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom... He delights. That last phrase, in whom he delights. I love the word delights. Kids need to know that we delight in them. A word, a look, a touch, the time we spend with them. We need to do all those things to let them know that we delight in them. So that's one ingredient. Here's a second ingredient that Proverbs gives us to be wise parents. It's this. Discipline them because you love them. This is what Josh was talking about last week. This was his specific topic. Disciplining your kids is a gift you give them. Proverbs talks about discipline in terms of outcomes. Let me explain what I mean. For example, here... Listen to this first verse. This is Proverbs 19, 18, and it says this. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. That's strong language, isn't it? And here's Proverbs 29, 15. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Now, we sometimes view discipline as a negative word. Discipline, according to the book of Proverbs, results in positive outcomes. One of those outcomes is wisdom. And you know, discipline takes time, it takes love, it takes commitment, it takes seeing the big picture. It's work, but it's worth the effort. By the way, do you remember, if you were here last week, do you remember when Josh was talking um, about a golden retriever named Dakota he had when he was growing up. And he was using that to illustrate 
that boundaries or discipline or boundaries in our lives are for our own good. And he talked about how they had an invisible fence in their yard and how their dog Dakota couldn't resist staying within that. And so he would, this dog would just bolt through this fence. He'd let it shock him and then he would have to deal with the consequences when he was outside that invisible fence. Now, we have a golden retriever at our house named Lance. And uh, here's a picture of Lance. Um, we have an invisible fence for him too. And we've trained him very similarly to the way that Josh described last week that they trained their dog, Dakota. If you were here, you remember how he went, explained how they trained him for invisible fences. However, Lance never crosses the invisible fence. In fact, Lance often will stay back at least five feet from the invisible fence because he doesn't want to get close to it and get shocked. So here's my question. Is that just spectacular dog training or is our dog just better behaved? And I'll let you draw your own conclusions on that. But actually, here's full disclosure. It's not my dog. I'm not the one who trained him and I didn't even pay for the invisible fence. But there is a takeaway from this though. And it's it's a takeaway that actually applies to golden retrievers and to kids. And it's this, boundaries are good and necessary, whether they feel that way to a child or a dog at the time or not. But by the way, they're also good for adults. So you have to discipline them because you love them. Okay, let's move to the third ingredient that Proverbs gives us for parenting. It's this. Guide them to become who God made them to be. One of the more fascinating verses on parenting in the book of Proverbs is Proverbs 22, verse 6. And here's what it says. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are, when they are older, they will not leave it. Now, some would read this to say, do all the right things when your kids are young, and they'll do all the right things when they are older. I don't think that's what it's saying, because we know that's just not true. There are no guarantees. Kids have free wills. They make their own choices. And even though there are no perfect parents, there are many parents who do a great job of raising their kids, and yet their kids choose to go a different direction. Remember this, too. Proverbs are intended to be general principles. There are exceptions. This is more about how to parent than it is guaranteeing a specific outcome. And the general principle of Proverbs 22, verse 6 is this. If you develop your kids according to the way God made them, you are setting them up for life. Let me repeat that. If you develop your kids according to the way God made them, you are setting them up for life. Now let me give you three practical ways to do this. Here's the first. Make much of their strengths. Let me have you do a little exercise real quickly here, okay? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of two of your strengths. Think of two of your strengths. Got them in mind? Now I want you to think of two of your weaknesses. Two of your weaknesses. Now which was easier? Well, hopefully the strengths, but for a lot of us, we know the negatives much more readily than the positives. And that's why it's so important that we tell our kids about their strengths, to emphasize their strengths, to help them cultivate their strengths. You know, sometimes parents want a kid who's like them. 
So someone says, hey, I like sports, so I wanted, I wanted an athlete, but I got a scholar. Or I did well in school, so I wanted a scholar, but I got an artist. Or music's my first love, but my kid seems to be more of a mechanic. Or with personality. I'm outgoing, but I got a shy one. Sometimes if our focus is only on what we want, we fail to see the strengths that God has given them. When our daughter, Melanie, was in school, when we would go to parent-teacher conferences, we would often hear this from her teachers. She's so quiet, she needs to speak up more in class. And while it's important for them to learn to interact with others and discuss, we also knew that that's who Melanie was to some extent. But one of the strengths of her personality was that she listened well. She took in and observed everything that was going on around her because she wasn't talking all the time. She paid attention in class well, rather than talking. So we tried to reinforce the positives. Our job is to develop, that, to develop them into who God has made them to be. So be their number one cheerleader. Help them develop in areas of strengths and passions. Celebrate their uniqueness. And here's a second thing, it's this. Make sense of their weaknesses. And when we say weaknesses, we're not saying mistakes. Weaknesses are part of the Creator's plan. We all have a blend of strengths and weaknesses that make us who we are. We are not all alike. Why? Well, there are many reasons. One is this, variety makes um, the world a great place to live, doesn't it? But weaknesses also make us need others and need God. Weaknesses keep us humble. Weaknesses teach us. We learn so much through our weaknesses. I can and many of you can speak from experience on that, right? And by weaknesses, we're not talking about character flaws. We have to address those with our kids and help them grow. But all of us have strengths and weaknesses because it's who God created us to be. Some weaknesses we can change and some weaknesses we can't. I can't change the way I look, I can't change my singing voice, how fast I run, or my intellectual capacity, but I can change things like moodiness, my weight, a quick temper, with encouragement from others and encouragement from God. A wonderful gift you can give your kids is an understanding of who they are and an acceptance of that, while at the same time balancing that with encouraging them to put forth effort in taking initiative. They need to realize they're not perfect people and neither are we. Okay, here's the third one, it's this. Make a difference with their lives. God has wired your kids like they are for a reason. Help your kids find out how they can make a difference with their lives. Be asking them as they're growing up, what would God have you to do with your life? That's a key question. It's a key question in life. Tell them that God has a plan for their life. That's not measured by how much success they achieve in the world's eyes. Success is being faithful to how God has wired you into what God has called you to do. That's it. Every kid should grow up with a healthy sense of purpose. And that can start with us as parents. Okay, so there are three ingredients the Proverbs give us. I'm going to give you one more. And it's this, lay a spiritual foundation for them. The words of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are profound for parents. Remember, 
This was actually written in the context of a loving father talking to his son. So this is parenting advice here. Even though we are, many of us are very familiar with these verses in the Bible, they're in the context of a parent to a son. Here's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Often promises in the Bible have premises that precede them. In other words, if you do this, God promises that. There are three premises that we read here, followed by a promise. Now these three premises are all areas that we as parents can focus on to lay a spiritual foundation for our kids. And here's the first. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What does it mean to teach your kids to trust in the Lord with all your heart? It, the word trust means to rely on completely. It means that you believe that God's way is always the best way, even if it doesn't make sense to you, even if it's difficult. It means that you make decisions that are honoring to God with your money, with your sexuality, with your relationships, with your direction in life. You teach this to your kids first by modeling it for them. Then you use life as teaching moments. And honestly, the difficult times are usually the most effective times. As parents, we want to remove difficulties from our kids. I get it. That's your instinct. You're a parent. That's what you do. But God, our Heavenly Father, allows each of us to go through difficulties because he knows they teach us to trust him. What you do, what do you do when your child faces disappointments because things didn't go his or her way, or the way they had hoped, or perhaps they had hoped? Maybe it's in school. Maybe it's with a friend, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, with a dream, with a decision, with a sport, with a goal, with a job. You teach them that God has a plan for their lives that is better, and they can trust Him for that. So there's the first phrase, the first premise. The second premise is this. Do not depend on your own understanding. This doesn't mean that you don't use sound reasoning for making decisions, but it does mean that you always bring God's wisdom and understanding into the decision, even when we don't see the big picture. So you teach your kids to pray, to search out what the Bible says, and to get wise and godly counsel and advice when they make decisions. The third premise is this, seek his will in all you do. This is something you can teach them as you go along in life, as they're growing up, when they're making decisions. You have them ask, what would God have you to do? And as they begin to do that, God begins to reinforce for them that his way is always the best way. So those are the three premises. What's the promise from God? It's this. God will show you which path to take. He'll guide your life. God wants to do that for you. God wants to do that for your kids. So show them that this is the way to live by doing this yourself. Now I want to conclude this morning by taking my pastor hat off and putting on my parent hat. Um, this is just one parent talking to another now. Um, I 
and the parent of three amazing kids. They're 28, 25, and 22. I'm not a perfect parent, far from it. And if I had things to do over, there are things I would do differently. There are moments in time where I reacted the wrong way or did the wrong thing that I wish I had back. I know the parents, the challenges of parenting. Regardless of what stage of parenting you're in, there are challenges. I've learned the challenges that go along with parenting adult children. With adult children, you're still the parent. You care very much about them. You still worry about them as much as you ever did, but you have very little control. And that can be scary. When they're little, you have a lot of control. As they get older, you're lessening your control and moving more to a relationship of influence. You have to. God created your kids to move towards independence. If you try to control them too much as they're growing older, they're going to rebel against that. And that's the challenge. Your job as a parent is to manage that transition while you prepare them to be adults. The teen years are when they begin to experience what they've been taught. The teen years are where they will begin to test the values that you have instilled in them. So how do you manage that transition? The key is a relationship with your child or children. Do all you can to build a relationship with them while they're growing up. You can't do that by just making them activity rich. Sometimes the more activities you have them in, the less time you have to spend with them. Taking them from practice to rehearsal to game to recital doesn't make you relationally rich with your kids. It makes you activity rich. You have to spend time with them. You have to have meaningful conversations with them. You have to guide them through the challenges and difficulties of life. As they get older, you transition your relationship with them from one of control to influence. And for me, one of the hardest transitions was as they were becoming adults. I had to quit giving them unsolicited advice even if I thought perhaps they weren't going to make a wise decision. I had to relate to them differently because the last thing I want to do is ruin my relationship with my kids. Once I do that, I ruin my ability to influence them. Now, I don't have all the answers, and I know parenting is a challenge, but I also know how rewarding it is. So from one imperfect parent to another, here are three things that I've learned along the way. Three things to remember. One is this. What determines the trajectory of your kids more than anything else is your own relationship with God and your priorities. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, start there knowing that he came to this earth to die for us so that we could have forgiveness of our sins, provide us a relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. Or if you've already done that, consider your next step in your relationship with God. What is it for you? Is it baptism? Is it making God-honoring decisions? Is it reading your Bible regularly? Is it praying for your family? Is it beginning to serve and modeling that for your kids? Is it reading a Christian book on parenting? Here's the second one. The best thing you can do for your kids is to pray for them and entrust them to our Heavenly Father. Let me repeat that. The best thing you can do for your kids is to pray for them and entrust them to our Heavenly Father. And here's the third. 
the degree to which you can influence them is directly related to the relationship you have with them. That's so important to know. And if you have regrets, or if you think you've messed up in the past, don't live in the past. The three principles I just gave you still apply today, no matter where you are in the parenting process. So, start today.